Hi, there were some weeks of summer after our massive release of Mid-Delcom podcast episodes in the first half year, presenting the observations about the media landscapes in our collaborating countries. Then, September brought along the new academic year, which in turn filled up also the busy Mid-Delcom schedule. The consortium biannual meeting in Sofia, Bulgaria, then a conference in Gdansk, Poland, with Midelcom presence there. Further on, the first policy brief for the European Commission in Brussels, another conference, that of ECREA in Aarhus, Denmark, also resubmitting all the deliverables to the European Commission, and of course, finalizing the first publications, the country case studies. Now it's the end of October and the Midelcom podcast is going for covering all these substantial bits of it. And there are subject matters for several podcast episodes. In this episode, we are going to make a brief roundup upon topics that were discussed in Sofia. The publication plan, fine-tuning, a book and some special issues of journals, getting the feedback from the advisory board, stepping closer to implementing the agent-based modeling, introducing good practices in the participating cultures regarding the monitoring capabilities. List long enough for the oral media. Some of the items will be only outlined in this episode to be continued soon. This episode also contains an interview with Professor Daniel Hallin from the University of California, San Diego, co-author of the famous book Comparing Media Systems, the member of the MediaTelcom Advisory Board. He had thoroughly been reading the country case study reports and shared his observations to the consortium in Sofia. One of his observations was about the GDPR, unintendedly hindering performance of investigative journalism, access to public information and transparency of media ownership, as if in the name of protecting the personal data. Thank you for staying with us. I am Ormas Leut, the MediaTelcom communication officer. Before everything, I would need to make a clarification regarding the two country case studies Media Delcom is currently working on. In the early episodes covering the findings, as of March, we said that the reports would go public by July. Still, they aren't yet public. I'm talking to Professor Haliki Haroloit, the Media Delcom project coordinator. We had to postpone the publication of these case studies because, first of all, we had to rewrite the structure of the draft case studies. And in addition, because of the summertime, we were not able to complete all the expert interviews we wanted to carry out before. We will upload the case studies for the public in November until we shall complete the last interviews with experts and we also edit the case studies. 
Further on, we shall give a summarization of the consortium biannual meeting in Sofia and the primary issues discussed there. It was long meeting. It lasted for four days, four full days, and we discussed different methodological issues concerning the comparative analysis of the European media landscape. We also discussed how to move on with fuzzy set analysis as well as the agent-oriented modeling. The latter one will help us also to create scenarios. About the coming special issues of the communication channels, we shall be talking in our future podcast episodes soon. In Sofia, the consortium was working also with the feedback from the advisory board. After the brief intro by the project coordinator, we shall cast an interview with Professor Daniel Hallen. We discussed with him different aspects that are related to the media changes in Europe. I would say that Professor Hallen's view was especially valuable also because he could put this European project into more global context. The distinguished co-author of the book Comparing Media Systems, Professor Daniel Hallen, has been reading the reports by the country teams back at home in America and discussed his observations with the country teams in Sofia. Among other He noticed a recurrent problem with the GDPR, the EU General Data Protection Regulation for protecting personal data and privacy. In many reports, it appears that it's causing side effects to freedom of expression and access to public information, meaning to the other human rights. Many of the reports make reference to consequences of the GDPR that would hinder either journalism or um, public access to information. So, you know, these are the kinds of cases where journalists may be doing some kind of investigative reporting about corruption, for example, um, about a businessman, you know, who's uh, getting some favors for the government, and the businessman will use this as a legal pretext to suppress the story. Another case was instances where government officials will refuse to release information under the Freedom of Information legislation because they say it would violate the GDPR, that it would violate people's privacy. And another thing is that in some cases, some of the reports said that it hindered um, transparency of ownership because owners would say, no, you can't put up information about my ownership of this media because that would violate the GDPR. And all of those are things that I assume were not intended effects of the GDPR, but 
the way that it's implemented in particular countries, I think certainly there's the possibility for those kinds of conflicts to arise. You seem to say that uh, this is uh, very much uh, different from what is there in the United States. Well, in the United States, we mostly don't have this kind of privacy regulation. We have much weaker privacy regulation. It varies by state also. So yeah, so Europe has much stronger privacy legislation, which in many ways is probably a good thing. But it does look like there are probably some unintended consequences that can at least arise from the way it's implemented in particular countries. Would you like to point out some other issues that you discovered when uh, reading the draft case studies? One of them is certainly transparency of ownership information is something that's very important. Lots of reports point to conflicts over that. There's of course, you know, just a very general issue about political intervention in media and it takes somewhat different forms you know public service broadcasting is one place where you often see it but in private media it is often related to ownership that has political alliances well one root of political influence comes through ownership and then another root of political influence comes from the ability to use the legal system or political control to put pressure on media through advertising or just intimidation of journalists, threats of lawsuits, that kind of thing. How do you see the perspective of all the studies of media.com? Well, all of these studies are directed toward attempting a kind of broad outline of all of the different factors that affect the ability for deliberative democracy, all of the media-related factors that affect our ability for deliberative democracy. And I think they all have behind them an assumption of certain sets of values that are very important, that have to do with the autonomy of journalism, with transparency, with pluralism, Right, so the, it's the very comprehensive examination of the way in which media institutions and media practices affect all of those values of transparency, autonomy, openness. We have some more to cover from the SOFIA meeting agenda. It was important also at SOFIA meeting to discuss the so-called best practice cases because it is pretty easy to discover problems and risks. But the project also focuses on opportunities and that means we need to pick up best cases. In SOFIA we focused on the best practice cases concerning monitoring opportunities or monitoring capability. And the monitoring capability is a pretty new concept and it is also the core issue 
of the uh, will be book. The manuscript of the book will be ready in the end of March. In this book, we shall carry out comparative analysis on monitoring uh, capability in 14 European countries. Why monitoring capability is important? It is important because this enables to carry out media policy that is based on knowledge, not just on emotions or political ideas. This is the proper moment to widen the issue of disseminating best practices. We shall have a separate episode on that soon, but still, here's a teaser quote about the prominence of best practices in our context. This is Iona Havadani from the Romanian team disclosing her viewpoint right after the intermezzo or the pompa. First of all, the very idea of thinking of good practice is challenging because we are used to be very critical when we look at things around us. And uh, we tend to see the weak points and we tend to find solutions for those weaknesses. So the idea of finding good practices is putting us in the position to challenge ourselves. This is a plus. You get ideas. Sometimes we are so focused on the job in front of us that we are not open to new ideas. Exchanging good practices in a group like this with you know, like-minded people is, I think, a dose of optimism that we so badly need these days. That's it for today. We shall be back soon. Hear you!